Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of being super right about CarPlay and how useful no. it is. <laughs> That's what we're doing. It's a full hour of me speaking my truth. I will say I we we've talked about a lot of things in the show over the past decade that we've been doing it. Uh-huh. Decade plus if you count the Engage podcast. Never Never have I received the quality of comments that I received when I said CarPlay was not as good as sticking your phone running maps to your dashboard. Hmm. Like the YouTube commenters are like, I've been listening to this idiot for a decade. This is the worst thing he's ever said. <laughs> I got emails. I'm pretty sure I tanked our Apple podcast review. I'm right. No. And I want you to know that my conviction in this opinion is 100%. No. I, I just spent two yeah. hours in the car on my way here. And I got to say, being able to use two apps at once continues to be better what than not being able to use how many accidents did you get in on your way to the office what are you today? multitasking on the highway you got maps in the radio i don't understand i can do both what of audience is CarPlay? this do you want two screens or one screen i don't get it <laughs> it's so, i think so it's confusing. just your old car i think it's all your old car today i was in the new android powered car <laughs> forked android i might remind you and it was still better to have the radio up mm-hmm and then your little tiny dinky map. It's a huge phone. Was it? Is All right, can I? Th- I'm going to throw another one into the mix. Okay. If you live in a place where Apple Maps is good, Apple Maps is better than Google Maps when you're driving. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100. percent That's absolutely true. Yeah. I feel like this has been suppressed. I you know by big Google. By big Google. <laughs> you can't tweet about it if you type Apple Maps into Twitter. Elon personally comes to your house and removes the keys from your keyboard and makes you type Google Maps. <laughs> Just switches all the letters <laughs> around. Like, no, no, no. You meant Google. Uh, th- this is this is dangerous information in the podcast today. Yeah, we're just speaking truth. Fauci doesn't want you to know that Apple Maps is good now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Look, while we're I'm doing right this, about CarPlay. <laughs> no, you're not. You just aren't. Is the thing because the, this thing you keep saying, where what if I had my phone and also the radio, is like. What if I use my phone for navigation and then listen to like Z100 the whole way into the office? Ooh. No, no, no. It's what if the map is open yeah. and the 
to switch songs, to so even skip tracks or switch between serious channels or a real thing that Becky does all the time. Oh, right. So you, you, you're on serious. We talked about this in the draft. So you've immediately ruled yourself out as like a person who exists in normal society. Yeah. That's, so that no, doesn't Even make if any you sense. just want to use Spotify and you just want to beep ahead tracks, mm-hmm. it's better and easier. You don't have like a little button. I have a little button on my car and I go boop and it skips tracks. Yeah, it's on the steering wheel. Problem solved. Yeah, just... And then I have, and then I go, Hey Siri, hopefully that didn't activate anything. <laughs> just looking around me and, and, and the maps change sometimes. I don't really do the maps one as much because I get confused driving. Again, I'm just, I'm going to go back to, I've got a few things that I believe. Uh-huh. One <laughs> that is are wrong. wired connections are better than wireless yes. ones. Okay, that's true. That's one of my hottest opinions on the show. Th- that's, that's accurate. Yeah, that's just real. Though. One time some guy made an entire YouTube video about how Comcast owned me <laughs> because I suggested that wired internet was superior to wireless internet. It's like a whole YouTube video about exposing us. The thing that we disclose most often. <laughs> so I will say... Just to pause so on that's that. one. You're, yeah. That is your only correct opinion about CarPlay. Every other thing about CarPlay you are dead wrong about. But the thing where wireless CarPlay is kind of trash is mm. precisely correct. Because wireless CarPlay exists on this like just long enough delay that you press the button and right at that moment you go, oh, I don't think I pressed the button and press the button again because it's a <laughs> stupid-ass capacitive yeah, yeah. button. It, so it, instead of changing tracks once, it changes tracks twice because you didn't know if you pressed the button or not. Well, because it's sucks. Bluetooth, The answer right? is just plug it in and everything is magically yeah. terrific. I literally, I bought a new car and was not allowed to have wired car play and it's the only thing I don't like about my new car. Mm. That's your, your car. Does it have USB ports? It does. You can plug it in and you can charge, but it it is not allowed to do CarPlay. <laughs> See, Fauci doesn't want you to have CarPlay. <laughs> Fauci. <laughs> so it's, it's wired internet connections are better than okay, wireless ones. That's correct. Yeah. Copyright law is the only meaningful speech regulation on the internet. Sure. Whatever. We don't have to go to that. Whole, interesting, I'm just interesting. It's Classic CarPlay it. take. <laughs> and then third, two apps are better than one app. More screens are better than one screen. Very simple. I feel like we all agree on this, except when it comes to should we use CarPlay? Digital maximalism. Yes, yeah, that's I, that's you. That's our yes. That's that's why we founded the website. I, I think you're right on everything but CarPlay. All right, fine. I, but I also have I have the maps and the music on I'm my CarPlay. I'm just saying, can dog. some people who agree with me that CarPlay is bad, and there are some of them. All can two we just, of you. Can we be a little louder? Can we start some bot accounts? Whatever we gotta do. Stay quiet. We're just gonna bully you off any platform you're on. Don't 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 risk it. Yeah. The other part of this is at some point, Neilai, you have to remember that you have to use something. And and what you're describing is a delightful Spotify experience where I have a giant screen where nothing works. And CarPlay, <laughs> at least, is a screen where things work. Mm. I'm just saying that it's better to have the map on one screen and the music on the other screen. And no, it's the, not. Per, the most important person in my life. Why are life you looking at the music? Uh, agrees with me about this. I asked Becky, hey, have you tried CarPlay again? And she looked at me and she said, why? And that was all I needed to know. Uh, be honest, the most important person in your life is Howard Stern on Sirius XM, <laughs> which you listen to every single day. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I care about. All right. This has nothing to do with what we need to talk about today. <laughs> Quite a lot happened this week. HBO Max announced that it would just be called Max. Yeah. They announced a bunch of shows and pricing tiers. They did. They did not acknowledge that they had ruthlessly stolen my daughter's name. They did not. Which is just a real... How you doing? It's a real problem. How's, how's that going, by the way? I haven't sat her down yet, and I'm like, here's what happened. AT&T bought Warner Brothers. 
then now everything is going to be super confusing for you. But do you think, is this like, do you remember when the Amazon Echoes first came out and there were all these stories like interviewing people named Alexa about what their life was going to be like now that now that the Amazon Echo exists? <laughs> do you think this is going to be like that? Like there's going to be a, a big like Washington Post feature about like people named Max being upset at the future of streaming services? They I should interview so. Max. It's her birthday, and I think a great birthday present from the Washington Post <laughs> to my daughter would be interviewing her about HBO Max. Yeah, she's five. Uh, strong opinions. Well, Max is catered to her. Like, that was a big part of, of what they talked about in their big announcement. It was like, we want kids, and kids won't watch HBO, but they'll watch Max. All right, we'll come back to this. This is the first thing we're going to talk about. Sean Halster uncovered a bunch of information about PlayStation Cloud streaming that connects with its handheld that we've heard about mm -hmm. there's some other streaming news we got pricing for sunday ticket then there's just a bunch of twitter stuff and there's twitter v substack which came to the most ridiculous of conclusions culminating in an episode of decoder which honestly i'm just going to emotionally process in the third act of the show That's, <laughs> we're just we're just going to do that together let's start with max though yeah she's five she's five Congratulations, She's Max. great. Yeah, we made it. Uh, she has a thing in her room called the Yodo Player. Oh, yeah? Um, it's, That's uh, the one Neil Young made, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> she has a Pono Player. <laughs> Max only listens to high bitrate losses. Um, no, the Yodo Player. Every parent knows what this is, but you, you, it's a streaming music box, but it doesn't have an interface. It has cards. Okay. So you stick a card in it, and it goes and collects a file off the internet and like reads you a story. Do you want that in your car? I mean, <laughs> at this point, the Yodo Player... Could definitely be in our car. Like, <laughs> we, we we think about it a lot in our family, but she got new cards for her birthday and one was Kids Bop. And last night we were just like, is she, is she listening to Ariana Grande at 11 p.m.? <laughs> and we stood in the door and she was just like, had stuck her Kids Bop. Just bopping along. This is the future of streaming media. It's amazing. <laughs> it's physical Little cards. cards Bring back cartridges. Absolutely. Anyhow, Max, the actual streaming service. Yes. Alex, what on earth is going on here? Well, they they felt that HBO was too elitist a brand, like HBO Max was too elitist. They didn't like it. People weren't using it where they were using Discovery and they were staying on Discovery and they were being retained by Discovery. So they said the best thing to do is kind of dumb it all down and just call it Max. Wait, this was their argument is that people weren't watching enough HBO Max so they yes. needed to rebrand it. Yes. They were like, Discovery does all of this stuff great. HBO Max doesn't. It kind of sucks. And, and a big part of this was about kids. They, they were like, we have all of this great content for kids and nobody's watching it. It's not like hitting with that audience. And we think that's because it's called HBO Max and that runs off all the children. Is that accurate? No. <laughs> the full nonsense <laughs> argument. I mean, I, so the, the one number I just want to point out is that they did say during the presentation, I think that it was 75% of HBO Max's viewership came from the home screen. So like people loading the app, pick something that they see, whereas people on Discovery Plus are actually like looking around and finding stuff and going to the different tabs that say like home and food and travel and whatever. Right. Uh, and what they took that to mean was not oh, cool, we built a service so full of good stuff that people are finding things that they like immediately, but let's build one that makes everybody work much harder to find anything <laughs> they want to watch yeah. because we're just going to shove everything together. And they've been talking about doing this since the beginning, right? Like since Warner Brothers Discovery became a thing when those two companies came together, they've been talking about the possibility of having sort of one big behemoth streaming service to cover everything. And I'm not like morally opposed to the idea. I just think they made every logistical decision dead wrong in the process yeah. of doing this. 
I thought it was interesting. We didn't actually see the UI. We didn't see what this app is going to look like because it's not going to be based on the HBO Max app. They were pretty open about like it's garbage, which we all know it's garbage. And instead, they're going to use like the discovery kind of stuff with some other things and make Voltron. And this new Max app will be amazing and always and it'll be Max. Can I just do some quick history here? Yeah, go for it. Just to refresh my brain. Okay. So HBO existed. Yes. It was part of Time Warner. Yes. They made two apps. Yes. One called HBO Go and one called HBO Now. Yes. <laughs> then AT&T mm-hmm. bought Time Warner for a lot of money. And it was so much money. And the plan was to... <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they were like, we did it. Something. Something. They were like, this is too many apps and... We need a new one. So they built HBO Max. Mm-hmm. At some point, I believe Vulture reported this. They un they rebooted the tech stack of the HBO Max app. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. This is a, this is just like a thing that happened along the way. They were like, we got to make it better. We know it's bad. It crashes too much. And they, they redid it. Then they spent a lot of money on Zack Snyder making a square version of Justice League. Black and white. <laughs> and also in black and white. Mm-hmm. That is uh, seven hours long. Yes. This failed, I believe, to convert millions of people to HBO Max. Correct. Okay. I'm just, these are all things that happened. Yeah. Then AT&T was like, wait, why did we do this? And they sold Warner Brothers, Time Warner, to Discovery, mm-hmm. which is like, this app is garbage. The centerpiece of HBO's gigantic purchase was making this app and they sold it to discovery and discovery is like this was stupid yeah discovery was always like this is stupid we you guys make a ton of stuff and hbo max is a garbage app and it's too focused and you're ignoring all of this other content what if this was more of a fire hose of garbage situation yeah because that's what discovery is very very good at right yeah Discovery is excellent at just fire hose of garbage, and which is why we all watch HGTV and TLC and everything else. I assume, judging from all of David's picks in the draft earlier this week. Hell yeah, right. dude. Nate and Jeremiah's <laughs> home project. Let's go. There's a new episode tonight, and I will watch yeah, it. This is just a canon of filler <laughs> content is what I'm getting out of this. Which, we one important piece of this history here is that David Zaslav, the CEO of this combined company, has made abundantly clear over and over and over and over that that is the content he believes in, especially yes. for streaming. Dude does not want or care about these incredibly expensive, you know, coastal elite premium stuff. Like what he wants is more money and more space to make shows with Chip and Joanna Gaines. Like that's it. And he has been so clear about that. He has canceled expensive stuff. They killed Batgirl because they didn't think it was very good. Like dude wants movies in theaters and he wants down-home TV shows on streaming services. And so to me, the long story of HBO ends with someone who absolutely does not give one single crap about HBO as a brand, as a store of content, or as an ongoing concern, and has basically just tried to sort of systematically destroy it. He does, though. I Like... That part I don't think is fair, because he's still there acknowledging HBO. It sounds like it's going to be its own, like, carve out in the app like it'll be a tab yeah this is the tab you go here for quality sure. stuff you watch h20 <laughs> good stuff yeah this is the a24 tab and then we're going to do everything else over here and i kind of get that calculus like he understands that tiktok and youtube are his competitors because they're discoveries competitors right then they're also everybody's competitors for attention that's why you guys 
both chose them. Weren't the you the one who told me that you were watching TikTok while watching a show? Yeah. During the last week. Yeah. Draft? It was great. This is what I mean. Like, Discovery makes a lot of shows that you can definitely watch YouTube while watching. Yeah. Yeah. And I would actually say Netflix makes a lot of those shows too. Yes. Like, Netflix makes a lot of shows that are, it's definitely fine if you miss the third episode because you were watching TikTok. Right. Netflix is where, like, I go and I'm like, I just need my pajamas on my brain. Netflix. HBO right. is like, Hold I'm going to go get culture. We just have to do it all. Disclosure. <laughs> I am the EP of a Netflix show. It's called The Future of. It's very good. Do not watch TikTok while watching the third episode. Just lock in. If you're one of my bot people, get some bots to watch it too. That would be great. I'd, it would just be make me happy. If suddenly our show hit the top of the Netflix charts for no reason, I would receive nothing from it. But I think it would be funny, and I think we could share that moment together. That's my ask to you, the Rochester audience. Our company, Vox Media, has a bunch of investors. NBC Universal is one of those investors. That's on my Comcast, which operates Peacock. I'm pretty sure Vox Media has made shows on HBO. In fact, I know it. I just can't remember what they're called. I'm sorry. This is a great disclosure. You can see how conflicted I am. Yeah. Uh, there it is. Uh, we have a TV division. They sell things to every TV network. We're super conflicted, Nailed but we it. can still have opinions. I think it, at this point should be abundantly clear that we have opinions. <laughs> we are not really constrained in what we say. But there it is. Those are the disclosures. You, you had them now. Yeah. Like, but back to what I was saying, yeah. HBO is very much like not a pajama brain network. You do watch it so then you can go talk with your friends or whatever. Pajama brain. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're just like, I want pajamas for my brain. Oh, that's a thing. Yeah. Is that a thing or is that a thing that you say? It's a thing my friend group says. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Carry on. Carry on. Yeah. And and so it's not a pajama brain network for the most part. Netflix is, Discovery Go is, and he, I think, I guess, wants to do that with Max, but also then have this little tab that's HBO because they, they announce a bunch of shows that are very HBO shows that are not these big, like, pajama brains. Sort of. They announced sort of. a bunch of really expensive shows based on somewhat impressive existing ip it's the kind of thing you would want to do if you didn't want to take any risks but you wanted to make a bunch of money and seem prestigious is you would announce a 10 year long harry potter show which yeah. is what they did right like if they had announced the eight new hbo originals that you've never heard of that are going to totally blow your mind to pieces i'd be a lot more willing to believe that there's some real investment in like the thing that hbo has always done well but to me this is like the same thing AT&T used to say to HBO, which is basically like, you need to make a lot more stuff and you need to make sure all of it is a hit and you have to prove it to us before you make it. And and HBO's really bad at that. You think about all their biggest yeah, hits, that's Succession, Game of Thrones, those weren't huge hits in the first episode. Those took all, th those were lo slow burns. Yeah. And it was only because they were given the opportunity to do that. And that's a big complaint about a lot of the other streamers, Netflix in particular, is Everybody says, oh, they're not giving them enough time to make Well, so shows. they haven't turned over the leadership at HBO. It's still Casey Bloys. Yeah. And he was very, he was like on stage talking about it, really like doing his his, his uh, dance for the audience and, and saying, yeah, we're really excited because we've got Harry Potter. We've got a third Game of Thrones series. Well, so All who was stuff. this event for? So I was watching this event mm -hmm. like on and off throughout the day because it was fairly long. It took actually. forever. Um. And I couldn't tell who it was meant for. Like, I don't it's not think they for knew. audiences. It's not like it's for investors. The average, it's for investors. It's for investors. Right? Yeah, they're it's they're the desperately trying to say the streaming market is crap right now. You, dear Wall Street, have bet that we are not going to pull this off. We're sitting on a mountain of debt, and we need you to think that we are about to be on fire. 
in a good way. And which is, right. and I'm just saying for that audience, you like what you want to show them is we've got one decade of Harry Potter in the bag. Sure. Yeah. These nerds are never going anywhere. They're paying us 19.99 a month for 4K Harry Potter for 10 years. Can you do multiplication? That's the money. Give us And they were dancing around the really big issue with Harry Potter. Because yeah. Harry Potter is kind of like become a toxic property and everybody's refu- everybody at Warner Brothers is refusing to acknowledge that because they're in so tight with J.K. Rowling, but she has become a very, very toxic personality. She had that big video game and people were furious about it and refusing to play it. That game like, was also a huge hit. It was a huge hit, but but there is like definitely that toxicity. For we sure. also saw it with um the Fantastic Beasts hiring of Johnny yeah. Depp. Like this continues to happen. And when they ask boys, what are you doing with her? Is she going to be involved in the show? Is she going to be participating? Is she getting money for it? Obviously, yes. He just danced around it. He's like, you know, she does her thing. We do ours. <laughs> she says she's going to use all her money to destroy trans people. That's fine. We're going to keep over here. And I think at some point they are going to have to deal with that. The same way Disney. Yeah, they bought a decade long headache. Right. But I'm just saying for this audience, and I agree. This for this audience, and she's this audience doesn't give a shit. This audience is seeing, okay, people will pay the monthly subscription to watch Harry Potter for a decade. You're doing True Detective season four, Jodie Foster. That's a hit. Right. You've got to show them the franchise IP. I don't think that forecloses new stuff from HBO, especially because that leadership is still there. Yeah, I I think we're still going to see stuff from HBO. We're still going to see stuff from that kind of HBO Max team. They specifically called out the big successes there, which are Hacks, The Sex Lies of College Girls, which is really difficult to show to say you're watching at any point in your life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, just, it's funny because you're the only person on the show that can say it and get yeah. away with it without and even i was like <laughs> the other day somebody's like what are you watching i was like the sex size of college girls Oof. on it's hbo good. max it's a, very good. it's a real show um and so they were calling out like those big successes that were hbo max shows where people were concerned that they were going to just get rid of that programming team get rid of that programming they were also the other big thing that people were scared about was cartoons and losing cartoons which is why they specifically called out a new gremlins cartoon sure and uh, Rick and Morty anime, another property that has a big toxic cloud around it because Justin Roiland. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. But yet again, things. another big established thing with a big fan base right. and a big catalog. I don't know. I right. just to me, like, play this out. Right. So these things all get combined. They start this app and they start to see how people use it. Right. And and the reality of the world is that I people spend more hours a day doing dishes while they watch HGTV than they do sitting in front of yeah. Succession once a week. And they're going to look at it and they're going to say, this one episode of Succession cost more than three seasons of three HGTV shows. What in God's name are we doing? And David Zaslav, as a person who has made very clear that he is not doing this for the prestige, he is doing this for the money. And frankly, the company needs to do things for the money. Like, how do you not eventually look at the balance and say, why are we spending all of this money to get these really great shows that people watch a little bit of into this tab when in fact actually most of the people who come to our app are watching this other stuff that's much cheaper to produce and is an endlessly renewable resource like i just unless you are a person who cares which is the thing that hbo has done over the years is they've had people in charge who have said we're going to take big risks because i'm in charge and i say so that's they just don't have that now. And the and now they're bundled together with all this other stuff that is just going to decimate it in every metric <laughs> except for quality and cultural relevance. And those two things are really so hard to put money in. Here are the two things. So you're correct that the company needs money. 
they're in a bunch of debt. Like they so took on a bunch of debt. Yeah. AT&T still has a stake. They're in a bunch of debt. Everyone needs this thing to make money. Great. Zaslav known for making money. He's he's like good at it. He is good at it. But my theory as to why he'll keep HBO around is that my theory for why he bought Warner Brothers in the first place, which is one, AT&T is stupid and sold it to him <laughs> for pennies on the dollar uh, and he could do it. But two, rich guys like fancy stuff. Yes. And I, at the end of the day, this is why the tech industry is just a deeply attracted to Hollywood. Like they, they want, this is why Jeff Bezos is like, you know what? The expanse 90 seasons. It's, it's going to get super boring at the end of it. Cause they, they want to be in those rooms. This is why Adam is is like always at the Met Gala when that moment for Instagram was happening. The opportunity to show that cultural relevance is like irresistible Yeah, and to be the big patron of the arts. And that's the thing he bought. He bought Warner brothers. So I, I, I agree that tension is there especially for HBO, but I think he, he likes the big movies. He wants to put the big movies in theaters again, and they will have a home on his app. And I think his ultimate goal is to replace cable, just cable bundle writ large. You don't need anything. You just need this one app costs 20 bucks a month. You're watching HGTV all day while you're just running around. And then at night you're like, I want to watch a blockbuster movie. And it's there for you. Made you know, like people say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's right. I'm sorry. Though. You don't walk around your house talking <laughs> like a 1940s bitch. No, I agree. I, the newest I do, blockbuster from Warner Brothers is here. <laughs> I do think that's right, though. And I think they talked about making big investments in sports. And Warner yeah. Brothers also has, I think, TNT and Bleacher Report and stuff like that. So, like, there's some sports in the Empire already. And they've talked about news and, like, so it's all there. Well, TNT is basketball. It's not some sports. I mean, that's like. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's the hoops. They, they have real moves. Like if they want to put yeah. some stuff into there, they have real splashy stuff they can do. I totally agree. I think that's going to take a while because sports rights are really expensive and really love cable subscribers. But I do think like that, that road makes a lot of sense to me. I totally agree. Oh, and that. they have CNN, which is oddly not part of this. Yeah, because Zaslav hates CNN. <laughs> he like went over there and was like, I hate you guys. I don't like this place. You're going to do a whole other thing now. You're going to be you're going to you're going to appeal to everyone instead of just to the liberal elites. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's really what he's coming at. Right. Like this whole thing was him being like, I'm done with the liberal elites. This is going to be a streaming service for the regular guy. Do you drink beer and drive a truck and like wear a lot of plaid? This is for yes. you. <laughs> how, do you <laughs> how do you do say that and things. also green light the next succession? You just can't. Like, no, the, that's, I, no, no, I think you do. That's the bundle. This is the whole game. I mean, like in the magazine days, the front of book is like what sold the magazine and the fancy features were there to win awards and push the ad prices higher. This is in many thing. ways how we sell our property, right? Like you have the cheap stuff that gets people there. And then you have the prestige stuff that like makes you fancier and pushes your rates up. And like at some point they're going to do an ad supported version here, right? Right. They're doing they're doing three versions. Notably, Discovery Go is not going away. They're keeping Discovery Go. It's called Discovery Plus, by the way. Sorry. Do I, I, whatever. They're keeping Discovery. Discovery sticking around and they're doing these three new bundles. One is ad supported. I believe it's $9.99 and it's just ad supported. You watch it in HD. That's it. Then there's a fifteen ninety nine one, which is what the current non ad supported one is cost. No ads, HD only. Why? And you get thirty downloads 
Concurrent downloads, I guess. Wait, concurrent da- concurrent streams or down- no? Like you can have things streams. downloaded offline. Thirty, of yeah. Them at so a time. you can download, oh, I see. and that was unclear. It seems like they haven't limited to this in the past, but now they are. And then there's now a nineteen ninety nine dollar version, which gives you four concurrent streams, four K UHD HDR with Dolby Atmos, and a hundred downloads. Okay, I just want to say every single thing about these pricing plans sucks. Every single thing. Yeah. Starting with my absolute favorite thing about this is the nine ninety nine month plan is the ad light plan, which <laughs> implies the existence of an ad heavy plan, which does not exist. There, you start at ad light. I just I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Sure. Two streams is not enough. I think four should be like the bare minimum for any streaming service that costs money. HD quality. Like 4K being a thing you have to pay 10 extra dollars a month for is outrageous. Yes. Especially given how spotty and crappy a lot of the 4K content, especially on these services, has been in the past. Anything other than unlimited downloads is outrageous. Yes. 100 is a lot. Whatever. I can get used to 100. You're probably not going to put more than 100 things on your stuff anyway. But just the, the idea at all of it being limited and not being able to download anything on the ad light plan is is lunacy i like this is all so incredibly user hostile to me it just makes me angry well it's already like that so before you couldn't do downloads if you were on the cheapest version and i think netflix and a couple of others gatekeep downloads offline downloads yeah yeah. for higher prices so this is just all in i I, honestly i I think they could have even not mentioned how many downloads and gotten away but with it the until combination one of, us of things here i'm with david yeah this it's is like, super hostile we're inventing things to put boundaries on so we can upsell you yes and the uh, the audacity of hbo max who didn't even launch with 4k in 2019 no 4k only got around to doing like game of thrones in 4k last year to be like now we're going to charge you for 4k and i was like you couldn't even deliver yeah, you 4K. Make some guarantees about what's like, coming what, what am i seeing in 4k Here's a, but like just the combo platter like you, these companies are so big they they all have like marketing teams they invent personas this is like the phrase they use yeah they're like let's invent a person and see what they would buy and they all do this exercise and i'm sure we have marketing people who listen to the show who are like freaking out i see you <laughs> i'm in your brain i've been to your meetings and they're like it's sally sally's 35 years old she doesn't travel a lot she doesn't really know about 4k and she doesn't mind ads she's got household income of 50k 99 is perfect for her and they invented a person who demands both 4k and 100 offline downloads. And they could not find a person who just wants 4K for slightly more money. Right? Because that's, I can think of a lot of people who are like, I do not need to download any content at all. 0% need to do that. But when I watch the movies, I want them to be in 4K HDR. This is, I mean. How do you miss that person in this sequence of pricing? It's kind of similar to Netflix though, right? Netflix does this similar pricing scheme where there's like a $15 version that gives you downloads and, and everything. But then if you want 4K, you still have, and more concurrent streams, you have to go up to the $20 yeah. version. I guess the difference is Netflix has added those tiers over time. Yeah, it didn't feel quite as dickish. Right. Like and this feels like you're, you're just going backwards sapping. a little bit. Yeah. Because you're making it way more expensive and the middle tier seems like the worst deal in history. Yeah. I don't know, man. That said, there are going to add a bunch of discoveries catalog to this thing, and all that's in HD anyway. And if you're just watching those shows, it doesn't I, matter. Yeah, I. David, you're, you watch these shows. Are you like 
No, you like I discovery. The, I can't quite see the wainscoting. Well, so this <laughs> I, this is why I'm I'm with you, Neil, because I think to me the fifteen ninety nine a month middle plan is both the best and worst deal here. Because on the one hand, you get essentially nothing for it, especially if you're not the kind of person who wants to download. Like the difference is fewer ads and downloads. And as a person who generally pays for no ads, fine. But that's six bucks a month to just turn off ads. Do with that what you will. You don't get 4K. So then the flip side of that means you're paying another $4 a month for like the occasional movie to be in 4K. Uh, because a huge amount of that library is just not available in 4K. Like I was yeah. just saying, it's gotten better over time. Well, but it's still not great. I'm curious about that because a lot of this stuff is available in 4K, especially that older catalog. Well, in theory, done. a lot of it exists. Right. In, 4K. in theory, yeah. there was all the DC Universe stuff that was all shot in 4K on 4K and DC Universe. And then when it all got moved over and they killed that app, right. they were like, we're only doing it in 1080. Sorry. And I think it was honestly probably like a bandwidth issue. I've always wanted to track this down. And if you know, email me. But I think there was likely some sort of bandwidth issues. They were like, well, we can't handle 4k streams all the time so let's gatekeep those let's limit it but it's nobody's confirmed that that's just my like tin cap yeah theory i don't know we'll see how it goes they need they... i think they're gonna be fine because this is just they just disney everything this was just watching like disney being born in a in a single <laughs> investor meeting <laughs> Like, we're going to go after the kids. We're going to go after middle America. Look, that is the single best outcome that Zasov could have hoped for, is one person saying this was like watching Disney being born. Seriously. Yeah. Like, that's what they're but after. Like, the bad kind of Disney, right? Ooh. Yeah, the one, the, one that ruthlessly, ruthlessly, the one that ruthlessly stole my daughter's name. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is not the good, exciting Disney. Can we, Disney we have adults. not lingered on this at all. This is actually, I think it's a great name for a child horrible name for a streaming service awful especially because the history of max is cinemax or skinemax as i used to know it and it's like you picked the weakest brand in your portfolio the one that is most associated with a late night softcore pornography yeah for you the picked kids. your porn for name kids. for the kids service yeah i mean a lot of kids would be like "Ooh, staying up late mom's not here cinemax is cinemax in this app yeah, well, Cinemax is gone, but yeah, it's it's in the app. Like, it's already... <laughs> the tabs are HBO, food, travel, kids, porn. Like, that's yeah. just... <laughs> but Taxi like, cab confessions. <laughs> what we think of as Cinemax is not, not like, it's it's all their newer stuff. So um, Warrior, uh, Banshee, that kind of stuff. Their, their original content. But I'm so impressed that you can keep track of what medium grade shows are and what medium grade networks. Look, I love medium grade shows. That's like <laughs> that's my bread and butter. It's like you you know where all the sports are. I'm like I know where Warrior season three is. You just be making this up. You're like, there's a show. It's called Samurai. It's on A and F. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. I love, I love Samurai. Definitely knows she's it's talking. so good. Oh my god, the season finale. <laughs> <laughs> incredible go watch it <laughs> yeah. uh we gotta take a break wait before we do can we just yeah. talk about the name for one more second yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. because it makes me angry <laughs> and the what they should have called it i think is hbo and we can litigate that if you want to but elitist what i did was there there's this very good wikipedia page of uh all of the warner brothers discovery properties that they have divested over time yeah 
either that don't exist anymore or that they've sold. And I went through the list of all the ones that no longer exist to see if there were any better names that presumably they already own the trademark to and that they should have named their service instead of Max. Would you like to hear a few of them? Yes, yes. I would absolutely yes. like to hear a few. Uh, do you remember Beam, Casey Neistat's app? B-E-M-E. Oh, yeah, okay. That would have oh, yeah. been a better name than Max. Uh, CNN Airport, which is a thing. <laughs> would have been a better name than Max. Uh, there's one called D play. That's probably not a good idea. Uh, I don't recommend D play. <laughs> yeah, that's right there with yeah. <laughs> uh, they had one called festival, which I actually quite that's like. A, all right. Uh, there was full screen. Full screen. I actually think is pretty good. Full screen is good. The more I think about festival, the more it lands in the D plays. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Hanna Barbera home video was, was a company that existed. <laughs> For the kids. <laughs> That's really good. There's there's one called OK, but it's spelled O H exclamation point K. That was pretty good. That's drugs. That's a channel <laughs> of drugs. Uh, Warner Brothers owned a minority stake in Quibi. Can I interest you in bringing Quibi back? <laughs> yes, always. There was one called Warner Max. Can we just wait? Can we just hit just the on Quibi? <laughs> it's like every time we talk about HBO Max, I want to go through the AT and T. Just to remind, this happened. Yeah. AT&T got sued by the Trump Department of Justice because it wanted Warner Brothers so badly. And its whole pitch was, we're going to put, like, bite-sized episodes of Game of Thrones preloaded on Android phones. This we, we had to sit here, and I had to not be as outraged as I was. Like, I had, the veneer of journalistic integrity was so thin. And then, like... Now there's Max. And I just want to remind everybody that Quibi super happened. It was a real thing. <laughs> for a month. Not even a month. For like a week. Like we went to a CES presentation. Oh, yeah. They were like, our innovation is that you will turn your phone. And we've named it Turnstile. Oh, yeah. Remember? <laughs> With and you had why. To, you had to talk to people about like, and I really thought that like once I held it in my hand and I flipped it, I was understanding like a change in cinema. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were into it. They got Steven Spielberg to say that his innovation was a show that came out only at night. <laughs> He's like, I've always wanted right. to do this. I'm just saying, every now and again, it's important to just take one step back and be like, this happened to us a lot. Mm -hmm. And no one believed us. But now we have Max. But now we have Max. All right, can more names, please? Uh, the, the only last one I had for you was uh, Warner Max, which was a <laughs> short-lived production company. I don't believe that that happened. If Max. you experienced Warner Max, please let me know. Yeah, I really think between CNN Airport and Hanna-Barbera Home Ooh. Video, we're, we're really on to something. I can't believe they got rid of CNN Airport. That's yeah, so it feels good. like a, it's what a do you watch in airports? Easy now? win, I know. Fox. <laughs> it's fine. Yes, whatever. It. All right, we got to take a break. I'm, we, let's find out. What, let's see if you know how we can get our hands on CNN Airport. <laughs> Send me an email, you know? <laughs> Virgin for we're, we're expanding. <laughs> we're taking a break. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. 
you'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back. Let's talk about another kind of stream. The sports? No. Video games. Oh, yeah. It's a real thing. Last week, we talked about this rumor that Sony was developing a PlayStation handheld called the Q-Lite. The worst name. And you very confidently said, it's not for game streaming. Sony has farmed out all of its game streaming to Microsoft, which in the moment, I thought to myself, what? It was true. It was true. But things have changed. But many things have changed. Like, but even in that moment when you said that last week, I was like, that doesn't. Well, it was really goofy because the reporting around the handheld was saying it is only going to be for streaming from your PS5 yes. to the handheld, and which is, is goofy. Which is goofy. And it is true that Sony had made some deal to use Microsoft's cloud technology. Right. The, the gaming team didn't actually find out about it. There you go. Until like afterwards. So for the longest time, Sony was farming out. A lot of their gaming stuff and everything, even though they'd purchased they purchased this really great cloud gaming company in like the mid 2000s. Yeah. And they had all this technology and then they just didn't do anything with it. And then they were like, whatever, ignore it. And now apparently they're starting to pay attention to cloud gaming after Stadia died and everybody forgot Amazon exists and Microsoft is just cruising along. being The only game in town. So the reason that I that when you said it last week, I was like, but they hate each other. Yeah. Right. And like the idea that Sony is big enough that one division of Sony made a deal to use Azure, the game division, like, fine, I buy it. These are all huge companies. But Sony and Microsoft are basically at odds over the Activision deal. Mm -hmm. They are in legal conflict in countries around the world. And the idea that cloud streaming is the future of mainstream gameplay, I think, is just sort of accepted wisdom. Like, it's not true, but everyone thinks it will be true soon. I mean, that's mainly because Microsoft has been saying that for the last few yeah. years and everybody else was kind of ignored them, including Nintendo and Sony. They were both like, eh, the infrastructure's not there. We don't want to do it. Nintendo famously doesn't really invest in this stuff. Took forever even to get cloud saves yeah. off the ground. So, so this was like everybody kind of ignored it. So I think it's a surprise, but a welcome one that Sony is now on board. OK, so Sean Hollister has been digging through sony's job listings i mean oh, yeah he's in it yeah this is like he's a detective what sean he's might accidentally work for sony <laughs> no, we can't we can't prove he is it. a recruiter at yeah. sony if you get a call from him he's got a job offer take it uh yeah he he has uncovered a lot of roles that are being hired all around cloud gaming tech 
And it seems like some of those roles got listed and then he wrote about them and then they disappeared. Oh, surprise. Ooh, surprising. Uh, which, and it suggests that they really are planning a strategy around cloud gaming. They're finally figuring it out. They're super late to the party, though. And, and that, I think, is going to be a challenge, both because the infrastructure, like Microsoft is really good at it because it has Azure. You're going to have to go and get that from Google or Oracle or somebody else, right? That's going to be a challenge. And then also they're just, Google did it and failed in like a heartbeat. And now they're coming in. Like they're the Kool-Aid man just coming in late. Yeah. So I, I kind of see that slightly differently. I would say where we are is we are rapidly on the road to all of that tech becoming pretty easy, actually. That because Azure exists and because... Yeah. Amazon is working on Luna stuff, and that's all just going to get baked into AWS because Google did all this stuff with Stadia that is now getting rolled into Google Cloud. Like the roll your own cloud gaming thing is actually going to get really easy really fast, I think. And so if I'm Sony, what I'm thinking is okay. I historically have better games than everybody else, and uh, and so I can come in <laughs> and in a place where I no longer have to be a leader in technology, I can just show up attach myself to this technology that already exists, put my better games into it and win. I like, I actually don't know that I feel like Sony is super late to this game. They're late to the game if you want to be a cloud provider, but Sony clearly doesn't want to be a cloud provider. I mean, I think they're still going to have problems there because they still have to get the developers on board, right? That was a whole challenge on all of these. The reasons the Azure one works is because they said, no, you don't have to do anything. That's very true. But both Stadia and, and Luna, you have to go and de- like redo the games to work on the portfolio. And in some cases, build them like from scratch. Like they're, yeah, cloud games right. are different. Yeah. And, and that's that. That's Unless like, you have Assassin's Creed, which <laughs> apparently can run anywhere for any reason. It it's is. actually running on my watch right now. <laughs> Yeah, so, so they're going to have to, like, figure that out. And I think that's where they're kind of late to the party is that a lot of that work, they're either going to have to redo it by choosing Google or choosing Amazon and then saying, OK, now we got to go do all of our games. Because what they're known for is their exclusives, right? It's the Naughty Dog stuff and, and things like that. And now they're going to have to go and get those done. And those games also, when they do port them elsewhere, struggle. Like, both the um, the big one right now is The Last of Us on pc looking like absolute garbage (laughs) yeah and now you want to also go and adapt for the cloud that's where their big challenge is i think like it's less about going and finding the the provider and and making a deal with them it's getting all of this stuff developed and working well enough and then also the whole huge infrastructure problem that no one solved because pg's not on the sec yeah so we're still have garbage. No, no, yeah. But we are seeing this wave, right? There's the Logitech cloud gaming mm-hmm. thing. We've there's a few of them now. Right. I would the Steam Deck the Steam category. Deck, yeah. The little handhelds. Right. And they're great. And I think that's what like they're chasing after. Because they realized, oh, people, this is a new product category, Same. which I was begging for, and I'm so happy it's happening. Like this is a thing. We can go into this space and make games. And, and push them in this way. Microsoft was right. Like that was whole, Microsoft's whole calculus is we can do, you can go and you can buy it and you can have the console and it will play perfectly. But some people can't afford the console. Some people um, can't afford, like it's their parents' TV and their parents are never going to let them use the TV to play it. So they need something more portable. Now we can do a portable offering without making the Vita. Yeah. So Sony was thinking about this. They walked away from it. They walked away from game streaming. Pretty they signed this deal with Microsoft, I mean, they- which they always had it like game streaming has always been there 
it's just been not great. And everybody always would forget about it. And part of that was like, it's not very fast. It's not newer games. The big thing with Microsoft, what changed with Microsoft was Microsoft said, oh, we're going to do like day and date release. Yeah. And that's huge. That that suddenly makes us viable rather than like effectively, like for the longest time, cloud gaming was kind of Mac gaming. Like technically you can do it. Wow. But are you going to have, you're going to play Assassin's Creed and that's about it. Yeah. So what have we learned from these listings? What Because it looks like Sony's going to rebuild an entire infrastructure this handheld that will compete with the Logitech and other stuff, but have Sony's library of games and Sony's graphical fidelity and Sony's service. What do we think this service looks like based on what Sean has uncovered? I mean, it sounds like they're, they're going with a lot of people from Gaikai, I believe is how you say it. So I think we're going to see that again. I think, I think this is, we're just going to be getting like their new release and there's some stuff we don't know, right? The specifically the developer stuff and and how those developers are going to work. That's I think the big kind of up in the air. From what I'm reading, yeah. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but we'll see. I I think if you have to nail that part before you can really get it off the ground. But right now, it's like okay, we're exploring the space, we're building in the space, we're gonna get more engineers on board and more like people that know like the tech. Yeah, and that's really really crucial. And then they're gonna have to go and teach all of the developers, specifically Naughty Dog, how to design a game for something besides the PlayStation because Naughty Dog sucks at it. Can I tell a completely unrelated story? Yes. It's totally unrelated, but this is what I worry about when Sean writes about game streaming services. Like pangs of anxiety rocket through my body when Sean <laughs> writes about game streaming services. We were in a lawsuit for six years uh-huh. because Sean called a game streaming service defunct. This is a true story. And the, the guy who ran it claimed that we had defamed him for calling his dead game streaming service defunct. Mm. And he went and sued us. And he had, the statute of limitations had expired. But in Delaware, where he sued us, the state courts had not yet set the precedent that linking to an article did not constitute republishing it. <laughs> so that was his argument to get out of the statute of limitations, that we had recently linked to this article where we had called the dead gaming streaming service defunct. Yeah. So he's like, you republished it. And the, our outside lawyers were like, yeah, the Delaware judge just wants this precedent. Wow. Six years of litigation. We won. We won going away. And the judge was like, yeah, it was defunct. (laughs) But it was like, what are we doing? (laughs) Every time. Well, I don't think he called anything defunct this time. Yeah, We're keeping an eye on Sean. Yeah. We think we got all this right. It sounds very, very right. (laughs) It sounds like they are interested in cloud gaming and their current service is not defunct. To be clear. Sony does currently have cloud gaming. It's not good, which I'm allowed to say because that's my opinion, (laughs) but they do have it. It is not defunct. This is the thing that I thought was so interesting about Sean's piece is, and he points this out in his story, is that from the job listings themselves, it sounds very much like Sony is starting this process from the beginning. And it's it's saying, yes, that one of the jobs is like, come help us dream up a vision for our cloud gaming. And it's like, my dudes, it's 2023. Like, you don't have a vision for cloud gaming. Uh, <laughs> but then on the other hand, like to your point, Alex, this exists like they what they should be doing is taking this kind of crappy thing that they built in PlayStation now and make it better. And instead, what it sounds like is they're building a whole new thing from the ground up and which of those two things turns out to be true or if there's some combination of them is c- 
confusing and fascinating to me. Or this is just like a, a honey pot to keep Maybe. engineers away from Microsoft, right? Like I love that plan. That they it, just sit over there in the corner and never release it. I mean, this is in the season of tech layoffs, right? There's like the endless articles now. They're like the ultimate business insider bait. I made $250,000 at Google and I got paid to drink lattes all day. Like in the thesis is they were all just hiring to keep talent away from each other. Yeah. I don't think that that is the position any of these companies are in anymore, but. I wouldn't expect Sony particularly to be yeah. a company that does that. That's not really Sony's MO. So I think they are trying to think of this from scratch. And the from scratch kind of makes sense when you think about the architecture element of this. Like if they're thinking, okay, PlayStation 6, whenever that comes out, we want that to work with our new cloud gaming service. Yeah. So everything works, which is what Microsoft did. That makes sense. That's the thing they can be doing. And I would get why they would want to start from scratch in that case. Because otherwise bolting everything on, and then trying to teach Naughty Dog again how to adapt that is going to be a lot of heartache. Every time I download a game to my PlayStation, I have the digital one. Yeah. I'm like, this is weird. It's like weird that it's a, it's like all the bits are on the, on the drive before I play it, Everything right? come down. Isn't yeah. the future much more hybridized, right? It's like weird that the games update to me. I downloaded an update to Fortnite the other day and it was 43.2 gigabytes or something. I was like, what am I downloading? It takes eight minutes to connect every yeah. time I uh, every well, time I turn on this damn game. Like, what is the point of this <laughs> if I'm just downloading it? You have to have the local assets because of the because it moves so quickly that if you're having if they're having to download all of the assets to you yeah. and like load all of that in real time and do the rest all in real time, that's really, really complex and that creates a lot of lag. But I'm just saying, so it, it seems like the two choices right now are, are pretty far apart. Yeah. There's all of the game is rendered on the server. And you're just streaming video and mm -hmm. sending back control inputs. And we've managed to crunch the latency so this works. Right. Even when you're handheld. Yep. And this is the only mm -hmm. pitch for 5G that has ever made any sense to me. And it's still... Mm. <laughs> but right, the, but that's the idea. Right. You're, all the GPUs are in the cloud and we're sending you a video stream and there's low enough latency that your control inputs can affect that video stream. Right. Get it. And all the way on the other side is you've got the entire 43 gigabytes of Fortnite and a powerful GPU in your house. And the whole thing's running locally. Yes. It just, I, I don't know enough. I'm just curious. Is there no middle ground? I think Where it's, the PlayStation 6 is like hybridized, where some of it's running up there and some of it's running down here. And there's a reason I have a GPU, but it's enhanced by the cloud service. I think theoretically that can happen, but you've got two, two issues there. One is that people really like to be able to play offline. They hate it when they have to like be connected all the time. That's like a huge yeah. issue. Anytime somebody downloads an Ubisoft game, they're like, oh my God, because Ubisoft has, um, DRM mm -hmm. that requires you to attach to the internet. Gran Turismo 7, the only game that exists. Uh, yeah. very, very limited when it's not connected to the internet. Right. And, and so there's that there's like the audience hates that. But then it is also just really complex because if you're having to like, what are you what are you playing on? What's what's what are the assets that need to be on your computer? Theoretically, it's like your big 4K assets for like textures and stuff. Right. Sure. And then what needs to be in the cloud? Like figuring that out, I think, would be really, really complex and making it so that it handles it while also not losing lag sure. would be really difficult. I think we might see that. And, and like adventure games, probably stuff that's not super timing intensive lends itself more to that. Gran Turismo, probably not. All your fighting games, your first person shooters, definitely not. But like games where you're just dicking around and like climbing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's okay it, if it's got a little lag. Again, I think t I don't know enough about the, the technical aspects of, of that and uh, what you're describing sounds right. It's just. If you if Sony announced the PlayStation if they 6 figure that out, we'll have the first hybrid GPU setup, and the the streaming service is 
inherently built into it and it'll run great on your phone and this little handheld we're selling you. And then when you dock it to a GPU that's running in your house, it gets even better. Yeah. Like if they can do that and be like, uh, like the big catch there is you don't have to download 200 gigabytes just to play the new AAA game. That's huge. That would be a really big thing. And that's what everybody's working towards. But I think they've all ended on just do the video directly to you because that's just so easy. Well, yeah. And I guess in your middle ground, Neelai, what are you actually accomplishing? Because it it kind of seems to me like the worst of both worlds because you can't play the game offline, which like Alex is saying is what you accomplish by downloading the 200 gigabytes. Maybe you shorten the download time. And as somebody who frequently has like 30 minutes to play video games and spends that whole 30 minutes downloading an update to a game, I feel that. But (laughs) It feels like every good thing you're describing is actually maybe better served by working on the lag problem with input. Yeah, probably. Just the history of the tech industry is why not a weird (laughs) compromise middle ground? That is is often the thing that happens. And it feels like Sony, if anybody's going to do that, well, maybe Nintendo. Nintendo, actually, I'd be more likely. <laughs> like, just put it on an SD card. No problem. Nintendo never met a cutting-edge graphic technology. It could not walk away from <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like, oh, ooh, this is too nice. I don't know what nice. you're talking about. <laughs> like, next year, the Switch will have Wi-Fi. Like, yeah. that's what we're working on. <laughs> so, so, like, I could see them be, being like, you know what? This is kind of garbage in a lot of ways, but it's cool. Yeah. So we're going to do it because we're a Nintendo. Sony, oh, yeah, Sony yeah. would be like... Yeah, I'm just curious. It's I, yeah. I as we think about game streaming again and the idea that things will default there because as David is pointing out, being able to white label that stuff and just roll your own feels like at least it'll be technically easy, if not business model easy or game library development easy, but technically easy. It's like at some point Sony's gotta make an argument for putting a GPU in your house. Yep. Yeah. And that so does Microsoft right now, the, and so does everybody else. The argument right now is the internet sucks. Yeah, it's and a that's good a, argument. Yeah, it's the best argument. It really is. So. Uh, all right, let's wrap up this section. There's actually a bunch of additional streaming headlines. David, do you want to go through them? Sure. So, well, the one other thing we should talk about with Sony real fast is the other thing Sean did was uncover a bunch of new plans for Sony's smartphone games, which is the other future of gaming that Sony has sort of systematically <laughs> done it's a bad stupid. job at over the years. It's a very good story. It's very interesting. It, it's actually a very similar story. Like Sony has hired a bunch of good people, made big promises about mobile games and not succeeded with any of them and appears to be sort of rebooting and trying again. I'm excited about that. We got a bunch of NFL Sunday ticket news. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday's show, but all the information is finally out. Everybody in our comments is very upset that it's going to cost anywhere from 250 to like $400 for the season. Do you get blackouts? Are there are there blackouts? No, games? so that's the whole beauty of YouTube. And the reason they'll tell you that YouTube TV is so terrific is that you get the local games on YouTube TV, you get the out-of-market games on Sunday Ticket, and for an extra $40 a season, you can also get Red Zone. So it's expensive and it's a mess, but at least it's all like in one app. I'm, I'm so happy for the both of you. If you're waiting for YouTube to solve this problem, sucks for you. I also, Neil, I, I, I did a Packers burn at the end of my YouTube story. You didn't even notice. And I'm really sad about it. Well, you'd already told me the pricing. So, uh, yeah, I definitely read that story. <laughs> and I thought, I'll just let this go. Yeah, that's probably what happened. Uh, Google TV. Alex, this seems like something that would excite you. Um, Google TV got a big guide to 800 different free channels. Um, 
I already have all of them because I have channels. That's true. So the thing in oh M3U, the playlists. thing that you were describing basically, which is like take all these free channels and like collate them into one app that you can actually search across is what Google is now trying to do, which is the single smartest thing Google has ever done in streaming. Yes. So congratulations to Google. It's the most Googly thing they could have done. It's the best thing Google has ever done in streaming. I'm sure it'll be a piece of shit because it's Google TV and like every other streaming box, Google TV is trash. But hey, it's a good idea anyway. I got to say that this, by the way, this is David's hottest take. This is your CarPlay take. When he wrote that headline, the number of people were like, I don't know, these fine. <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah. yeah, but it's like not very good. Yeah. Everyone has Stockholm Syndrome with Apple. This is the thing. CarPlay, not very good, just better than the other garbage. Yeah. No, that's, that's basically, I mean, that's literally like Apple's entire business model. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, not garbage Steve Jobs put up a bunch of phones and then was like we made a slightly better phone do you want it and it uh, have you been reading the, the Steve Jobs book that, that they put no. out the Steve Jobs archive put out the ebook and it's just lots of interviews and direct quotations it make something wonderful I think that's what it's called it's make something wonderful I'm a total sucker for it it, it's just a complete sucker for it you can read it on the web and it has this like great web presentation where you can like download it t- to Apple Books and then it does not mention Kindles is like, or you can have a PDF for your other garbage reader. Like, it's like very funny. Um, uh, but I highly recommend reading it because if you're listening to this, you're almost certainly a sucker for Steve Jobs think, saying things like the only good products that have ever existed are the original telephone and the trimline telephone and every other telephone is garbage. Incredible. And he's just saying this in like 1978, like straight out randomly doing an interview where he's like 24 years old and he's like, there's only ever been two good telephones. And like, I'm a complete sucker <laughs> for this. And you just read it and then you like, look at the business model infected Apple ecosystem of today where everything is designed to get you to buy something else. And you're like, oh, I wonder if he would have loved this or hated it. And the Apple TV to me is like the number one example for this where it's both designed to make you watch Apple TV plus at every turn. And then they can't get the business deals to complete the interface to make it good. So it's just stuck in the middle of whatever it is. And because it's stuck in the middle it's the best option because everyone else is like, screw it. We're just going all the yeah. way towards converting you to our services. And Apple at least has the restraint to not do it all the way. They don't have the catalog. I was going to say restraints. For it. Um, uh, anyway, so that's same with carb. I'm just telling you, everyone should read this book because yeah. it's great. And if you're a virtual listener, you're going to be a sucker for it. Is there an audio book version? No, it's just, it's his like collected writings. Okay. Who would they, would they have to get like an AI? Yeah. Like, like Steve Jobs. The trimline was a great phone. <laughs> Uh, it's just very good. Anyhow, I'll listen. Did you say there was one more? Uh, well, no, just the one other thing we should mention, which goes back to the gaming handheld stuff, is uh, a bunch of people got very excited on the internet because a video from a Microsoft hackathon, I think last September, just came out showing somebody had you know cobbled together. They called it like Windows handheld mode, and it was basically like, what if you could run Windows in a gaming specific mode on yes. a on a Steam Deck like piece of hardware? And everybody got very excited I- about it. I took umbrage with this because it feels like nobody's used the Microsoft cloud gaming platform on a Steam Deck. I spent an entire afternoon having to like program it and get it all set up on my Steam Deck. And it looks almost identical to that. And it works great. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I, I already did this. Yeah, but what if you didn't have to spend a whole afternoon getting it set up? That that does seem very <laughs> compelling. Like you have to like download little pictures so that it will load properly in the Steam UI. Oh it's God. a whole oh it's I, a lot. I do love that we've come all the way back around to what if we had small computers that just ran all of Windows? Like straight up had a taskbar, tiny computers. Like that if, was the nineties. If the netbooks had just had little joysticks. What if we called them pocket PCs? <laughs> 
Well, just think about it, y'all. What if Combag <laughs> was out here selling pocket PCs? I'm going to do some Excel spreadsheets on my Steam Deck. It's very, it's just look, everything comes back around. It's the one thing. It's my fourth fourth thing. Yeah. Right, it's like wired connections, something about CarPlay, whatever other bullshit I made up, and pendulums <laughs> swing back around. Most of which are accurate, <laughs> except for the CarPlay. The, whatever other There's bullshit I made up with, law. I agree. Pocket PCs are coming back. I believe this in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. I can't believe we still have to talk about Twitter. We're going to take a break and come back. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we're back. I forgot to announce like the the news, like, our news at the top of the show, <laughs> which is yeah. that I <laughs> CarPlay. I am now the project manager for CarPlay. Um, it's gonna suck. It's gonna run two apps at once, you guys. It does. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. You did. I'm gonna send you a picture of my. I know. When I, I get know. Home. The stupid boxes are not apps. I'm, you're, I'm just They're gonna like be spamming you can run screenshots one app and then like widgets. Yeah. I'm it's... not looking for widgets, man. I really want to ask I'm you what you think the difference between a widget and an app is. I want 900 full-fledged windows open. Full tiles. Let's go. Windows car coming soon. Widgets. <laughs> All right. This is as good of a lead up to I am the new host of the Code Conference as I can possibly come up with. So as you know, we have a lot of lineage to Walt Mossberg and Kara Swisher. Walt was our executive editor for years. Walt and Kara started the D Conference uh, that turned into the Code Conference which Vox Media owns. Walt retired several years ago. Uh, he still texts me to remind me that we make journalism here, which is great. Um, I love the fact that I can text Walt Mossberg. It's like one of those things. Like, yeah. how, did, how did this happen? It's very cool. Kara was her last year of hosting code last year. She went out with a bang, did the best version of that thing that anyone can ever do. And so now Casey and I have to come up with a different version, uh, which we've talked about for a long time. But this is the 20th year of code. We're moving locations again. Casey Newton, who is a Verge contributing editor, runs Platformer. You all know Casey. Uh, myself and Julia Borson from CNBC are the new hosts of the Code Conference, which is in September. <laughs> and if you know what we should do, you should let me know. <laughs> no, we have a lot of ideas and just how to reset it a little bit. And so, you know, we're the new hosts. We're very excited about it. Obviously, we're, we all interview people all the time. Kara is a very distinctive type of interviewer. I've ripped a lot of moves from Kara, just like straight up. There's a lot of Kara's moves in my game, but we want to push it a little farther. We want to have some different kinds of guests. I really want to get more creators on that stage and talk about their businesses and other creator stuff. That's the news. We're very excited about it. It was just announced. 
Uh, and like I said, if you have ideas and what you want to see happen in the code conference, this is the moment because we are starting to put together what we're going to do. I'm going to DM you all mine. <laughs> a lot of the ideas are like, can you yell at them even more? And it's yeah. like, mm, most people can't yell at them at all. Like Kara yells at them a lot. <laughs> but can you yell at them more? Uh, yeah. Well, yes, we want to make great journalism and do tough interviews. And I think that's why some people show up. If you're a CEO, you're usually pretty type A. You want someone to challenge you. This is like a real thing. This is why they come on Decoder too. So yeah, code conference. It's a thing. I, I forgot to say it at the top. Okay. I was supposed to. I was instructed to like announce it, make a deal, and I forgot. I think this is a good place to mention it because we're gonna we're gonna talk about some people you should totally have. <laughs> yes, this is a good session. Just talk about Twitter, dear sweet Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should talk about Twitter and Substack at length, but there's some other stuff that happened this week. First, we should just note Elon went nuts doing labels. Like I think he discovered that there's a field in Twitter accounts called labels, and he started typing stuff into it to see what would happen. So he got into a fight with NPR. Mm-hmm. At first, he labeled it like state-sponsored media. Yeah. Which is just like very funny because that's that's like a real thing that happens in China, North Korea, and other Russia. places. NPR is not that thing. It gets like 1% of its funding from the government. And the United States does have state-sponsored media. It has Voice of America, yeah. which we use to yeah, broadcast. Yeah, state-sponsored media and publicly funded media are it's not like, even a little tiny bit the same thing. Right. Very so, different. Uh, Bobby Allen from NPR is a great tech reporter there. Emailed Elon. Said, what are you doing? Elon said, I'll change it. So he changed to publicly funded media. NPR said, this is stupid and you're being weird and we're just not going to publish on Twitter anymore, which is a big decision. PBS also pulled publishing from Twitter after the same sort of label brouhaha. He did it to the BBC. He applied the same label to the BBC. And then he sat for, I will just Mm -hmm. be candid. I just talked about interviewing people. That interview sucked. The BBC interview of Elon Musk sucked. And I figured out why. I've watched a lot of interviews with Elon and he always seems to snow everyone. Everyone prepares for Elon like he's going to be prepared. Oh, yeah. No, and no one's ready for him to be obviously winging it. He's never prepared for any? Well, no, particularly. I think he's sometimes prepared for like Tesla and SpaceX. Sometimes, yeah. Where but, his expertise lies. But his interviews, he just comes in and is like, yeah, I'm here to interview. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, and so the, uh, the BBC interview was bad. Like you, I think of Decoder often is like Neil versus media training. Mm-hmm. Like it's a game that I'm playing. It is. Uh, and you can't, if you're playing a game with someone and they're, they're not playing it <laughs> you're often not doing well um and i, I would just say a bbc interview you just watched there are two people having radically different experiences like one person's like i'm gonna ask you questions and you're gonna answer the questions and elon's like here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna just like throw water all over the walls and start honking like a goose and it's like what is happening in this interview <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But in that in that interview, Elon did say buying Twitter is really painful. He doesn't have a stone cold heart. He says he got forced into buying it, which is an incredible way to say I signed a contract to buy a company for forty four billion dollars, and then was sued to enforce the contract. And I thought I was going to lose the lawsuit. He was forced. Yeah, yeah, really. No. Yeah, just a very odd week for Twitter. And then he announced, who knows if this will actually happen. But all the blue checks will go away on, of course, 420. Nice. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you, Alex. <laughs> and then now I'm, uh, I think people are starting to get ads. I've gotten ads. They're like, your blue checks are going away. Don't you want to subscribe? And that, again, I think we have a lot of like advertising listeners. This ad contains no explanation of what the benefits of paying might be. Not even a tout. It's just a threat. It's like, it's just extortion. Your blue check is going away. Subscribe. And it's like, no. Absolutely not. Like, say one good thing that will happen. 
Like, uh, he's got to know, you know, generally when you do this, you like you smash some stuff, you like break yeah. things and you're like, do it or else. And instead, it's just like, but like, do it. I, I, yeah. I believe no. in my bones that he thinks that people think having a blue check is like a cool signifier of status, which a it was never intended to be the idea that like the blue checks were a thing was always ridiculous. And B, he has systematically made it stupid to have a blue check to the point, as I have said, as we have talked about before on this show, yeah. that you can have a blue check and hide it because it's so embarrassing to have a blue check on your profile now because of what <laughs> that communicates. So to come out and say, don't lose your blue check. There were a bunch of people I saw the other day who were tweeting that actually what you should do is change your display name because it will automatically remove your blue check. As a as a hack, like I don't want to have a blue check anymore. How can I get rid of it more quickly? Is a much more prominent question at this moment than how do I keep my blue check? Like, this is what we've come to. I'm yeah. just really curious how he's gonna do it because right now they're having to like go down the list and 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 do it that way, like manually. They hadn't figured out a way to to do that not manually. Well, they've obviously figured it out because they found me. Did they find you? They well, I blocked the verified. There's a rumor. I did too. This is like, Wait, I mean, Fauci get... doesn't want you to know, like, level of rumor, right? Did that I if get... you blocked the verified account, that they wouldn't be able to find you because that was the only true list they had. I still got my my check. Yeah, no, but you had to block at I, verified. I did. Yeah. I think I just don't tweet a lot. And also I have like four followers. So they're like, mm, she can wait. Wait, do I still have one? I still have one. Okay. It's, it's not going to wait until Fortran. Anyhow, none of this matters. Uh, because no, it, just quit I, Twitter. As David is pointing just, out, none of this just actually matters. Listen yes. to me, everyone. Let me let me just. Yeah. Look, I read the first come, draft of sit, David's activity pub. Story. Sit with me for a moment. It's very good. Children. Yeah. That's, that's where the heat is. Just quit Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is a place that has systematically proven to have bad product. It will not keep your personal stuff safe, it won't keep your private things private. It won't show you the things you want it to show you. It will show you exclusively things that you don't want to see. It breaks all the time. There is literally nothing left for you on Twitter. I don't know where to go. Come hang out on TheVerge.com. Go somewhere else. Go to Instagram. It's better on Instagram. Leave Twitter. Twitter is done. Let's just, however you feel about Elon Musk, however you feel about politics, Twitter is a bad platform and you should quit. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I pretty much kind of quit this week with the NPR stuff. I was like, everything else he's done, whatever. For some reason, this was my my line. This was your line. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're just like being a dick to spread misinformation now. Yeah. Like so I yeah. I mean, that, was, that's, that, was, that was he's done it before, but for some reason this, this one is I was the like, one. Yeah. yeah. Again, watching that interview, I go back to my thesis, which is if you were addicted to nicotine and you bought a cigarette factory, you would think every idea you had ruled. Right. Yeah. Because you're like, everyone else feels the way I do. And everyone else would be like, you run a cigarette factory and I don't smoke. And why do you keep insisting that I buy cigarettes from you? Cigarettes with like 30 <laughs> times more nicotine. Yeah. You just gums bleed as soon as and you like, look at it. He's addicted to Twitter. He thinks it's monopoly. And I will point this out. His other two companies are more or less monopolies. Yeah. Like Tesla has had infinite demand for electric cars. They can't meet the demand for electric cars. And so he's run a business where every car he makes, he sells. And it doesn't matter if the cars have two inch panel gaps or they drive themselves into brick walls or like whatever people on electric cars. And he's a supplier of them. And maybe that will change his competition or maybe not. 
the only other electric car you can buy in the market today is a Chevy Bolt. Yeah, he's going to be yeah, fine for a while. Uh, right, but like, we'll see what happens when the Kia EV9 hits or like all these other cool ones hit. SpaceX is kind of a monopoly. The government was like, what if we didn't mm-hmm. do NASA? And NASA became like a buyer of rockets from the private sector. And Except for the like, one big rocket. And to his credit, I will give him all the credit in the world for this. He was like, yes, I will make rockets and launch them into space and land them again. And the United Launch Alliance is like, I mean, have done nothing. <laughs> I, I would be willing to wager that Elon Musk is not in the top 50 people yeah. most responsible for the launching and landing of rockets. But but yes, agreed. But I'm just saying his other two companies are kind of monopolies, right? They're in markets that, sh- that should be competitive and are not yet. Yeah. And I, the only the yeah, yet yeah. is because I think cars are going to get competitive for him. But it's still like CarPlay is still like a conversation we're having. Like there's a lot of stuff Tesla's can do that the automakers are still sorting out, but they're they might only now be competitive. So I think he's just got monopoly brain. Yeah. Where he's like, I run Twitter. Twitter is also monopoly. I'm addicted to it. What about you? Mm, Cigarettes. And it's it's like, oh, dude, you can just leave. Like I can just open the TikTok app on my phone instead of this garbage. Does he know Instagram exists? Right. There's like all these other platforms to take your time. What is not true is that for years, the default answer for everything in media and politics has been Twitter. You're a candidate. Something weird happened on a campaign stop. You need to issue an apology. Like Twitter it is. Like it'll mainline into the press. Our site goes down and we're like, we need to tell our audience. We tell the people who follow us on Twitter, which is not the whole audience. Like by a huge margin is not the whole audience, but it feels like we're doing it. Yeah. Whatever. It's like always the answer. Twitter is like always the answer. And now it's not. And I think that is opening up a lot of opportunity for other companies. It's opening up a lot of change, hopefully, in how we think about using the internet, which would be good. And it is driving Elon Musk bonkers. Yeah. Which is right, because he's not the answer. He's not the monopoly provider of this thing. And so all, I think interesting, all the stuff he's doing is like, we should talk about Substack now, because this is like, to me, the most interesting thing where the monopoly did something aggressive against competition. And it, I think, spectacularly backfired in People a way that we're really upset, right? With with the Substack thing, I don't usually, I don't subscribe to a lot of Substacks. I'm sorry, just the the one. It's platformer. Yeah, I have platformer. <laughs> that's it. And so I didn't really care as much, but it seems like a lot of people care. Like Substack, one of its main traffic drivers is Twitter, and then he went and he started like dicking around with the links. Yeah. So uh, this happened last week on the show, right? We were like in the middle of it, so. Substack launched Substack Notes, which is, it looks like a Twitter competitor. It's not really Twitter, whatever. It looks like, it looks enough like Twitter. Yeah. To have scared Elon Musk. There's some tiresome personalities involved in the back and forth. Whatever. Yeah, that's about right. Um, that's just as much as I'm going to talk about that. He starts making it so that if a tweet has a Substack link in it, you cannot even like that tweet like, or retweet it. It was hilariously petty. He puts up a warning screen. So if you click a Substack link on Twitter, it says this site is unsafe. And it's basically like, do you remember the whole insane thing with the, the Hunter Biden laptop story? This is like, yeah, but like more aggressive. Yeah, he used all of those tools that he was criticizing. <laughs> uh, and then the, the best one, which I don't think is a tool that has existed before, is that if you searched for the word Substack, even in the most brute force way, if you, we wrote stories and if you would search our hyperlinks, our URLs, and they wow. had Substack and the slug, it would redirect that word to the word newsletter. Yes. Uh, which oh, is beautiful, beautifully petty. Like you are no longer allowed to search URLs in this platform that contain the word Substack. Like that is the most king dictator anti free speech thing I can think of. So Substack freaks out. Elon tweets in reply. Like no f- public 
explanation of this is forthcoming. Elon tweets in a reply, Substack was trying to download a massive portion of the Twitter database to bootstrap their Twitter clone, which makes no sense. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You, you don't want to download a massive pile of garbage? <laughs> It'd be like, to but make like even if you just think about what that means or how that would work or yeah. who, how you would do it or what you would use it for or what it would bootstrap. Right. Like, none of it. There's a great hacker news thread. It's like, this, like, just on its face, this is a nonsensical thing to say. Yeah, it wouldn't even accomplish anything. It's not like they're going to upload it and, like, backfill Substack notes with Twitter content. It's just, like, not a thing that's going to happen. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. So, anyway, Chris Best, the CEO of Substack, was on Decoder this week. There's a lot to talk about in this conversation. <laughs> Honestly, still processing. But I asked him, were you downloading Twitter? And he was like, no. And I was like, do you talk to Elon? He was like, no. Um, I said, Andreessen Horowitz is an investor in both companies. They're in the syndicate that Elon bought Twitter with. And he's like, did they help? And he's like, everyone, no. Um, and it sounds like he just did it. They, he never gave them any warning. And he never like told them what was wrong. I mean, like obviously, you know, everyone could be lying. You just have to take whoever at their word. But they say they weren't downloading a massive portion of the Twitter database, which no one can figure out why you would even want to do that. Was were they maybe like accessing that GitHub that has a bunch of Twitter code on it? And he like found out and was like, <laughs> <laughs> "But that's a code. That's not the database." I think we've established that while Elon likes to say he's close to the metal, <laughs> people who are don't say that. Yeah, I, who knows? So Chris told me all about Substack Notes and what it's for. A big thing that's part of this puzzle mm-hmm. is. For the average Substack writer, the place where they get most of their subscribers is historically Twitter. Like that has been the best sort of marketing for a Substack writer. What Substack is doing now is they're pulling people into their app and making the app more of a consumer platform and sort of like redirecting you to other Substacks and other and like recommending things. And so the app is becoming a significant source of subscribers for Substackers as well now too, which is really interesting because that's a very closed kind of social network. I will just say here that Chris and I got into a fairly intense conversation about content moderation. I'm shocked. It didn't, it was an episode of Decoder. Um, I don't want to like overdo it on this show. You just go listen to that show. What I'll say here is I really believe that if you are infrastructure, you should not moderate hardly at all. So if you're pipes, if you're AT&T or Comcast or whatever, like people know my feelings and that neutrality. Leave, like, it alone. Leave it alone. Yeah. Like just be the pipes. And the more you become a consumer service that people can switch away from, the more you have to, like, do it and, like, be right. a product. And, like, the product that social platforms make is moderation at the end of the day. And uh, Chris does not agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a turn in that that a lot of people misses, which is that we, we take the term moderation in a lot of cases to mean one very specific thing, right? Like, the idea of content moderation has come to be associated with a lot of specific versions of content moderation and specific kinds of policies. What's actually true is you just have to decide. Like, our content moderation policy is that everything legal is allowed on our platform, no matter what, is content moderation. I don't happen to agree with that policy, but that is a policy. Like, that counts as content moderation. What you can't do is nothing. And what you can't do is say, we don't have opinions on that, because at some point, you just literally have to. And if you want to leave those things there and deal with whatever consequences there are, fine. If you want to remove those things and deal with whatever consequences that there are, fine. But you have to do something. And there's so much in this space right now where people are just like, what if we just did nothing? Yeah. 
and pretended that was fine. And it's like, that's not actually how it works. The thing that always gets me is more speech is legal in the country than people expect. Yeah. Yes. Right. And you, and you can just see this play out on social platforms all the time. People think hate speech is illegal or people think lying is illegal. Yelling fire in a movie theater. People really think. People think yelling fire in a movie theater is illegal. It's just like a long list of people's expectations of what is allowed versus what is actually allowed. And I think that's fine, right? It's better for the norms of speech to be kind of malleable and fuzzy and change with people over time than it is for the government to impose those norms. A hundred percent. This is like the most first cast of all time. We started with like CarPlay sucks and we're ending with like government imposed norms. But where I think Substack is confused and actually in a weird interplay with Elon's confusion around free speech is that you can't run a company with the most permissive set of norms. You just can't do it Yeah, because that means your values. That means your company doesn't have any values. It doesn't stand for anything. It doesn't mean anything. And over time, that's all you sell. All a company sells are its values. And I, I just think, I think they've gotten burned. This is like director's commentary. You should go listen to Coder and like, you will understand this director's commentary. Like after that conversation, I was like, I know you didn't want to answer that question. You probably like fall down the slippery slope of this question a lot, right? Like I ask you one hypothetical and then like another harder one and then another <laughs> harder one. And like, I, I know that's shitty. That's a bad thing to do. And it, I, I agree with him. Like that's not a useful way to talk about it. Uh, and he was like, yeah, that happens to me a lot. So I get why he doesn't want to do it. But if you can't say, I disagree with that statement, but my terms of service allow it, right? And that's a decision that I've made because of X, Y, and Z then you're, you're lost, right? And I, it, I think that's the turn that we're missing from all of these social company CEOs right now is to be able to state their own values and have that value include lots of people are going to say shitty thing with my software. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, vote Patel. I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's right. And I think it's definitely true that way too much of our conversation around this is about litigating specific bad content. Like yeah. even you go to congressional hearings and people are like holding up tweets holding on up poster tweets. board being like, what <laughs> this was on your, I mean, this happened at TikTok, right? They were like, I watched this one video one time and it was bad. And how could you allow that on the platform? And it's like, well, <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do with that? Like, that's not actually a useful way to have this conversation. But to your point, the only way to ever have that conversation is to start from somewhere. And I think yeah. what, what everybody has decided is that if I don't tell you what I think, I don't have to answer for any of it. And it's actually the opposite. Like, yeah. if you just tell us what you think, we can move on with our lives, right? Like, otherwise, you are going to be <laughs> Yeah, held... I can decide whether I'm going to do business with you or exactly. not. Exactly. Otherwise, you're going to be held accountable for every imaginable version of your value system. Yeah. And you're and screwed. I, and I think, to just bring this back around to Elon, this same confusion is the heart of Elon's, like, Twitter administration. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know that he has to make these decisions. Well, he's like, it's free speech. We're going to allow most things. And then, and then he globally blocks tweets because the Indian government asked him to. Right. And it's like, whoa, that's super bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> whoa, like you had an entire team, an entire product infrastructure since 2014 that allows you to moderate content on a per country basis and provide transparency around what governments are asking you. And you don't know it exists because you fired everybody. And now uh, someone in texas can't see a tweet because the indian government said no that's bad right and it's like that's the level of complication here where you can't just say it's free speech yeah uh and i i just think that the, we're at a moment now with the social platforms where maybe the problem has just gotten too hard at scale and the thing to actually do is decentralize the platforms 
Yep. You should read David's Activity Pub piece next. I'm really excited <laughs> to read it one day. I'm super hot on this protocol. That's the real end of the Vergecast. Is the answer <laughs> is a weird open source protocol that's been around since 2011 that is finally getting some action. This is new Vergecast bingo. Huh? This is the new Vergecast the new bingo. Vergecast bingo. Yeah. Like there's there is Vergecast bingo. CarPlay One is the, the free slots space now will now be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's my last trip. It's like... An activity pub just down there, down there at the bottom, right corner. If activity pub makes it onto the bingo sheet, some good. Oh, we've all made yeah. it. Yeah, that's great. Like yeah. it's to it's because it's not been on the bingo card for a long time. Just like, like the last two episodes. Just the last two, but you can see it's we coming. should do like verge cast heat checks, like the ringer pods do. Where like, but instead of like actors, it's activity pub. <laughs> <laughs> and you track like we started mentioning it more and more. Slowly, it's pretty good. All right, I'm down. I'm just putting it out there. All right, we got, we got, all got to pick one for the lightning round to wrap us up. David, I'll go first. So mine is there was news today, Thursday, as we're recording this, um, that you can now talk to the Bing chatbot through your keyboard if you use the SwiftKey keyboard. Um, This is interesting. On its face, not terribly exciting news. Um, I think SwiftKey is interesting. I've always thought that phone keyboards are sort of an unused fascinating space there's actually a lot of cool stuff you can do with just a keyboard app that people don't realize it's very hard to make them good but they're very interesting but the broader point that i think is really interesting here is one of the most fascinating debates to me right now is between people who see things like chat gpt and bing and gpt4 and say give that to me everywhere integrate that into all the apps i use i want it this is the future put it everywhere and the people on the other side who are like get this away from me leave me alone stop doing this. Like I'm in a bunch of discords and slacks and stuff for various apps that I use, um, including one for Notion. And there is this ongoing like holy war between people who are like, I am emailing the help desk at Notion every 15 minutes to turn off Notion AI on my account because every time I hit slash, it says, do you want me to help you write a blog post? (laughs) And then there are other people who are like, AI is the future. Get rid of everything. Just make Notion a chatbot. How much money can I possibly give you? And I think like Microsoft in particular is just deep down this road of like, we're going to shove AI into every nook and cranny of every app that we make. And you're going to love it. And I think, I mean, there are people at Microsoft in every meeting who are opening the door and sticking their head and be like, Dudes, Clippy is real. It's like <laughs> showing them, like running down the hallway. Yeah. To the next They're just like Bing campus ambassadors, just we like firing it. t-shirt like, cannons with Bing. Clippy's alive. <laughs> uh-huh. like, this has been a thirty-year dream, and now they have it. Yeah, there's some Bing product manager who like gets a bonus every time Bing shows up in a new thing, and that person is a billionaire now. <laughs> Congratulations to them. But yeah, that that fight I think is going to be really interesting. The SwiftKey thing I actually think is sort of smart. Like it'll. It'll actually let you back into doing it inside of a lot of other apps. So I think in that way, it's very clever. But AI is going to be in... Wait, how long until Apple blocks that? It's been pretty permissive with stuff so far. Um, Federico Vitigi over at Mac Stories built an unbelievably cool chat GPT thing just using shortcuts. It's called SGPT, I think. It is extremely cool and very powerful and bakes a lot of that stuff into other apps that you're using. Interesting. So I think like people are finding ways into this and Apple so far has just kind of let it happen. It honestly surprises me a little how permissive it has been so far. You've you've just destroyed it. It's very possible. Someone someone just realized it. Yeah. Uh, Zach, don't tell anyone. (laughs) Don't mind that. Just (laughs) let that slide. You didn't hear it. (laughs) I know. It's been a decade. I know who listens to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mine. uh, So good. Yeah. I was so excited about this. Mini, the car company. Uh-huh. Make the Cooper 
There's a new Mini Cooper. It, it looks uh, tough, which is weird. Does it have CarPlay? I don't know, but I know what it does have. It has a new virtual assistant in it. It's a dog <laughs> named Spike. No shoes. <laughs> I, love, I love this so much. Uh, so if you buy... So, but first of all, there's a theory that in bad economies, cars get more aggressive looking. And if you believe that, then we are about to have the worst recession in a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> cars are ridiculous looking. I, we have one listener who sent me, apparently we've been running an ad for something called the Toyota Crown. And I was sent a video of what the Toyota Crown looks like. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> I got to look it up. Uh, oh, that's a, yeah. that's a look. Yeah, it's a look. Some Subaru WRX. Yeah. By way of Camry. <laughs> it's a lot. Every new BMW looks like it's so mad at you all the time. They're so angry. Very much. Uh, the newest one, I think the, the IX. No, it's the M50, whatever one they made. Yeah. The newest. Like the SUV? SUV? Yeah. Uh, someone said it looks like the pigs from Angry Birds. And you can't not see that oh, anymore. Wow. So the new Cooper is very aggressive. But voice assistant in it. They're all doing this thing. They want to get away from CarPlay. They want you to use their software mostly to shop. You got to watch this video of Spike. It's a dog named Spike. And you can be like, hey, Spike. And your Mini Cooper would be like, woof, woof. Like does, it, does it talk or does it just bark? Uh, it's, a t- it's a talking dog. Yes. Mm. It's Spike the English Bulldog. Uh, it will be in future mini vehicles. Does it have like the dog voice? The rough? It will have various forms of support. When, we all agree uh, this is fantastic, right? That this is like in, in the world in oh, it's which adorable. there are assistants everywhere. This is the best possible outcome that a little purple headed dog just like runs around changing gears for me like that's all i've ever wanted oliver heilmer uh, mini's head of design says quote we are taking spike into the future as a digital character which first of all implies that spike was in the past as well is <laughs> not a digital spike character. has always been here <laughs> so there's always been dog. spike spike has been uploaded to the matrix he is not just a design experiment he's becoming a characterful companion for the user experience it's just really good it just, the whole thing's really good. More cars should have talking dogs in them. Completely it's agree. just adorable. Spike will dance with a disco ball. Oh, he will? Spike gives you directions. Spike's, Spike yeah. is the best. I love Spike. Oh, my God. I'm watching the video now and, like, the dancing, just the hopping up and down. Yeah. This is so cute. Yeah. This is this terrific. It's very distracting if you're driving. We're not driving. The car's driving itself and you're shopping with Spike. Welcome on, to the future Spike. of transportation. We, I'm very glad we're out of the phase of, like, personified humanoid robot assistance and into the like pixar character dog era of assistance justice yeah. for bixby yeah <laughs> although bixby was not actually a dog we just told everyone we, we it was manifested a dog. bixby <laughs> bixby had no bixby's a dog with shoes that's what that's what it is it's in your phone it's definitely wearing shoes and it's a dog <laughs> i don't like that <laughs> i like that not at all but you never got to see it i never got yeah. to see it poor bixby uh, all right, Alex, what's yours? Tom Warren had a review of the NVIDIA RTX 4070, which is a $600 card that is pretty much as powerful as like $700 card from last year, which was the 3080. And he really liked it, except for it doesn't do 4K. But if you want 4K, buy a PlayStation 5 or spend $1,000. Yeah. Yeah. I buy it. Yeah. It's cool. I'm, I'm Will like. Will be good for my full motion VR sim racing. So. <laughs> yes. So I, can, yes. I do appreciate that we're like finally getting back to good GPUs that regular humans can actually afford to buy. I'm, I'm excited. Like, I mean, it's still the same cost as a PS5. Sure. And it's still gigantic and weighs 600 pounds. 
and it's got like kind of a weird uh the the power port on it i think he he wasn't super crazy about but it's like eh. I, i'm excited I, I i love that we like for a while there amd and nvidia were both like yeah we're gonna gouge you because like there's a shortage every card's a thousand dollars and now they're like it can be 600 and if they can just make like a really good 1440p like this but for 300 yeah that'd be sick and then you you buy a full motion the money you save on that, you buy on the full yeah. motion VR sim racing. I would, I would do sim racing in in my Brooklyn apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of all your furniture. I would have no furniture, but it'd be really cool. Uh, the TikTok algorithm has discovered that I love videos of people sim racing in full motion setups. It is ridiculous. Have you ever uh, watched a video of someone else effectively watching TV? Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> that's what I'm doing a lot. <laughs> do they like move when they drive? Yeah, it's like I'm going to watch a lot of videos. A video, by the way, just given the the physical setup that are obviously best in landscape, but I'm going to watch videos that are shot in portrait of a man in a chair. The chair moves and he's watching a monitor. Yes. And I'm like, can't get enough. The algorithm's like, do you want more of this? And That's it's like, just yeah. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fine. People not moving in chairs. It's the future. <laughs> the chair's moving. They're, it dep- they're not moving relative to the chair. But the chair plus person are moving relative to the earth. And they're all moving at the speed of light. We've taken the f- like 4D rides at Disney World <laughs> and put them in our houses. And this is the future Perfect. we live in. I love it. Do Ratatouille. With, there are people have <laughs> attached fans to them. And they call them wind simulators. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it a little fan? It's just like a... <laughs> I mean, where's the lie, Eli? Yeah. Where's the lie? I love it. I'm going to end up with one of these. If you're listening to this and you're like, this is said with the the purest love. I love you for calling it a wind simulator. And I'm extraordinarily jealous that I do not have a wind simulator of my own. I think you can get one for like $15 at Walmart. Just clip it on. (laughs) It's not high fidelity simulation. (laughs) We're going to get to the code conference in November and everybody's going to be like, where's Neli? And it's just going to be like, we lost him. He's racing. Oh, don't. No, no, no. Now that I have access to like, oh, I can make people have real life experiences. We're putting the billionaires in sim oh, racing absolutely. rigs. Don't you worry about oh. it. If you run a sim racing company and you want to do a code experience, you know, there's someone to call. Eli, this is our hot ones. Instead of eating wings, <laughs> interview people while VR <laughs> racing <laughs> in simulators. <laughs> the two of you. This is it. I would watch the hell out of that. All right, Jeff. And by which I mean Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Let's ride. <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta end this before before CEO makes me not the host of the Code Conference anymore. Just kicking the door down. <laughs> hey, Jim, this is all over. That was it. That was a virtual. I want to say uh, you should vote for us in the Webby Awards. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this experience, you should make people give us a trophy. Mm-hmm. It's springy. It's spring. It's beautiful. Uh, David really. David wants it bad. I don't have one. There's one in the office. I don't yeah. have one. I have a mantle the- with nothing on it. And I would like it to be a Webby. Yeah, the David Alex Vergecast is not one of Yeah, we, so we like, need one. Help vote us. for these two. I'm old. Wow. Cool. I got springs one. for days. Oh, look at me. I'm Neelai. <laughs> <laughs> There's a link in the show notes. Please vote for us. We'd really appreciate it. We got to win. So vote. We would love it. Uh, the site is really good this week. There's lots of stuff. Go check it out. Um, and we've got a really cool new feature. We made our story streams. They're like alive now. So they update live. So we're going to be using those a lot. I just want to call this out because we are, we have been rapidly like working on the redesign stuff. And that's the thing that we spent all of our attention on. And now they're like done. 
They're very cool. cool. It's very exciting. We did it for, for the HBO Max. We did it for the HBO Max event. We did it for April Fool's Day just as an experiment. Uh, and it's event season coming up. So Google I.O., Apple WWC, Microsoft Build. We're going to use them a lot for that. I just want to call it. People ask me, how's the redesign going? And it's like, oh, we shipped the thing is here. We, we shipped it iteratively like you do on the internet. And now the product is like complete. It's a complete thought. It's very cool. Check it out. Okay, that's it. That's for chest. Okay. And that's a wrap for Vergecast this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, subscribe in the podcast app of your choice or tell a friend. You can send us feedback at vergecast at theverge.com. This show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. This episode was edited and mixed by Amanda Rose Smith. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters, and our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. The Vergecast is a production of The Verge and Vox Media Podcast Network. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.